Well, everybody, what's the crack? And welcome back to episode number 24 of the Inline G Flute Podcast with me, your host, Inline G. Now, guys, you've all seen this week is a guest episode. It's a brilliant episode, and I'm going to get this introduction out of the way as quickly as possible because the episode was so, so, so good. We've literally just finished recording it about 30 minutes ago. I am editing this as quickly as possible to get it out into the wild in the next three hours. So I'm going to let you guys loose on that very, very shortly. But anyway, who is the guest? Well, you've seen in the title, it is none other than the queen of flute social media herself, Jill or Jillian Derer. You might got you guys might know her as Jill Flutes on Instagram, also on YouTube. Since this podcast was started, she's been one of the number one guests I've wanted to get on here. She is such a fun person. She is brilliant. I love her content. I'm in awe of the following she's got. She's made such a wonderful, empathetic, compassionate corner of the internet for flute players to join together. I'm a massive fan of hers. We had a blast. We talked about everything. If you head down to the description, there is chapters. You can pick what bit you want us to talk about. Although I would recommend listening to the whole thing. It was so much fun. But before I let you guys loose on that, a little bit of housekeeping. So if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you can skip this bit. You know what's coming up here. But anyone who's new to the podcast, this is an independent podcast. I do everything around here. I do audio production, video production, graphic design, marketing, script writing, social media, the lot. It is a passion project. I love this more than anything in my life right now. It is my baby. It is wonderful. It is free. The podcast will always be free. I will never, ever, ever introduce a system where you can pay for more content. Everyone will get the same amount of content for free. Pinky promise. But if you would like to donate to the podcast, it is incredibly appreciated. What it essentially allows me to do is to turn away small bits of work in my life to be able to dedicate more time to the podcast, therefore making a better quality product. Last month, I was able to turn away a little bit of teaching because I'd made enough in donations off this podcast to dedicate more time. And therefore, you've got so many episodes this month and we're powering through Christmas. You will get an episode every Friday. So if you want to donate, go down to the description in this video or wherever you're listening to it. You'll see a PayPal link. Alternatively, head over to my Instagram, Gareth Houston Flute. There's a link in the bio. What do you donate? I would recommend whatever a pint or a Dr. Pepper costs in your country once a month max basically if you listen to this podcast you get four hours of entertainment a month and you think if i saw a guy in the pub and buy him a pint go and buy me one three quid four quid whatever it costs something around that it's massively appreciated now i'm gonna stop talking that's only three minutes of talking that's far too much here is my interview with the one the only the wonderful okay. jill Darer. <laughs> but it's looking amazing i love the background as well this is this is my like uh, studio where I teach my students. So at home or uh, yeah, at home. So if any Ooh. of my students are watching this, they might be triggered. <laughs> is this the place where you had the board in your vlog about orchestral editions? Yes, this is, is the, the board room. over there somewhere. Over there. Here, can I move? Oh, I'm using this camera. Here's the board. Ah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. What's on the board now? What's next for the board? Well, it's actually, it's pretty empty. Like there's a couple of things at the top that I'm auditioning for. Okay. Like New World Symphony, uh, National Youth Orchestra, ah. and National Academy Orchestra. Those are at the top right now. Um, okay. But I haven't gone in and put in those excerpts yet since I'm not in super audition prep mode. Okay. okay. But I will soon. That'll be a, a next week kind of thing. So. Oh wow, you're gonna do it the week before Christmas. You're gonna put your orchestral auditions yeah, up. You bet. Oh, that is commitment to another level. I feel like mentally I've already clocked out for the year. There's nothing, <laughs> yeah. it's getting more than about 30% effort. It's not getting done this year. That's for next year. Yeah. But yeah, I actually I watched your your vlog on orchestral auditions. It was really cool. It was really, oh, really cool. Yeah. 
Yay. So when was that audition? That was like October time? October. Yeah, October 30th. So I okay. was there for Halloween. The day before Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, spooky. But okay. yeah, so that was over a month ago now. So weird. It feels like a year ago. It feels like so yeah. long ago. And that was your first ever orchestral audition? You bet. Okay. That was my first one. Got on a whole plane and everything. I know. I'm very awesome. impressed with that. Yeah. Um, I was, and I actually really enjoyed the fact that it wasn't centered around how you actually played it. You made it very clear from the output that you were trying to gain something from it, gain the experience yeah. of doing an audition, get a positive experience, sort of base the timings, work all that out. Um, I really enjoyed that. Yay. That was a hard vlog for me to put out actually, because I, I mean, the and I, I talked about this in the vlog even is that like all of my all of my audition feelings some of them were super strongly negative like you know preparing for my first big audition I was mm. experiencing some of the most stress I've ever felt yeah. and I was like I don't know how good I feel about this putting out there because I was or putting this out there because I was really getting down on myself. And I okay. was like, that's totally the opposite of what my message is that I'm trying to share. But at the same time, I was like, this is really honestly how I'm feeling. And if other people are out there preparing an audition yeah. and they're feeling like this, maybe it will help them. So 100%. but I was really nervous, but the, really? you know, okay. the response has been good. And, and I think yeah. that, from what I've heard, it was it was kind of helpful and insightful. And I mean, the wow. audition process, I felt so alone the whole time because you're literally just alone all oh, day. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. I think hopefully this will make somebody else going through that process feel a little less alone in that. I think it will. Like, I would have loved to have had something like that like seven years ago, eight years ago when I was doing my first auditions. I would have loved uh -huh. that. Because my first audition was a nightmare, a nightmare oh, story. Where was it? Actually, I've never, I've actually never told this story on the podcast. What a, what a, what a fitting moment. Why not? Um, yeah. My first ever orchestral audition was down in Cannes in the south of France, you know where the film festival is, the Cannes mm -hmm. Film Festival. It was down there. I was living in Paris at the time, but it was still like a good four or five hour train. So yeah, I did the whole thing, prepped for months, you know, weighed myself, did all the, you know, weighed the weight of like, you know, how long it was going to take, you know, doing mock uh -huh. exams three weeks before, two weeks before doing this, one week before, really measured it out. Super prepared. Got a train, booked an Airbnb, did the whole thing. I thought, yeah, I'm really ready for this. I'm going to nail this audition. And I got in. And what I didn't expect was in Europe, they all have to be blind auditions. So it's all behind a screen. Um, The first Every round. Two. Sorry? Every round is screen. Up until the last round, usually. And then the oh. last, like, four or five, they'll take the screen away. And then you get, like, chamber music tests and things like that. But yeah. this one, like, as well, I saw so many people I knew because everyone from the Paris Conservatoires were there, so you're bumping into people. But mm -hmm. I went down, and then I knew it was going to be a blind one, but I never really considered it. So they go around with a hat with the numbers in it, and you draw out what number you're going to play. And huh. I remember I drew out, like, number 37. And then I thought, like, Shit, how long is 37 away is it going to be like 10 minutes it's going to be like an hour it's going to be three hours and i was thinking can i leave to get something deep can i not leave what's so it was like a good three hours and it wrecked yeah. me because i didn't know what to do with that time i was sitting in a big huge auditorium with like 200 other flute players and i didn't know what to do i wasn't prepared for this and i went up and the very first piece they asked for was peter and the wolf and i remember i screwed up the it's second so note i know it was a night, like to be fair, it really weeded the people out, me being one of them, yeah. because I was so tired. I didn't know what to expect. I played like three notes and the little bell went 
I'm like, merci. And I was like, oh, man, I've I've traveled for two days to get here. Yeah, they just ring a little bell and go, merci. I'm like, mate, I've only played like three notes. Can I not like, like, no, no, that's enough. I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken. (laughs) Luckily that night, one of my good friends was doing a Iron Woman challenge in Nice, not far away. So I went to go with her, watch her doing the Iron Woman. And then we went out in a night out. And then I missed my train home the next morning. It was a bit of a mess the whole weekend. But I could have done with someone making the kind of content you were to highlight the fact that it's not about getting the job at the start because that's out of your control, isn't it? You can't decide if you're going to get the job or not. You put a set of parameters and things you want to achieve and you want to get from it and then you evaluate it based on that. So in that way, it would have been a success. If I had said in my first audition what you said, which is I want to have the experience of doing it. I want to see what it's like. I want to put myself out there. It would Mm -hmm. have been a success but I viewed it as a total catastrophe of an audition <laughs> yeah. because I didn't know that there was ways to do that. But yeah, yeah, yeah it was a disaster. Anyway, I don't know why I told that story. Uh, right. I've got questions and everything written down here, but before we started, um, yeah. actually what I wanted to ask you before we went into this is, it's one of my first questions. I'm going to write obviously a beautiful glowing introduction about how wonderful this episode went. But when I'm doing that, can I refer to you as a social media influencer or is that something you don't like? You can. I, it's, it's funny because influencer is like the word. It's the word that everybody uses. Sometimes I hear like mm-hmm. social media personality. I think content creator has come out a lot more, yeah. which I prefer content creator. Although I don't feel like I strongly identify really with any of those words. Like there's okay. no perfect word that I feel like describes what I do. Um, okay. I don't love influencer, but I don't hate it either. Okay. So like whatever is good. <laughs> okay. Do you have a favorite alternative yet then? I think content creator. I think I yeah. like that. And that doesn't like the, the like weird negative attributions that there is something about that with influencer isn't there yeah yeah Mm -hmm. when you think of a social media influencer it's not the best image i would have in my head (laughs) we're totally honest yeah i'm not gonna do that i'm not gonna call you an influencer then just i've answered my own question there Uh, but yeah social media i don't want to spend all day on this but this is purely for my own benefit i want to ask you about it because i'm so in awe of what you're doing on instagram i think it's amazing how good you're doing and purely for my own entertainment I want to ask the questions about it. So we'll spend a little bit of time on that. And then I promise we will move on to more interesting things. Um, but social media, how did that start? Did you intend when you set out doing social media to get this far with it? So when I started, so like I started playing flute when I was in grade nine. So pretty late mm-hmm. um, when I was 14. Oh, wow, that is quite late. Yeah. And I think around that time is when also Instagram started becoming a thing. And there were some young high school players in the US who were making practice accounts. And Mm -hmm. Katie Flute. Oh, yeah. She was like the OG. Yeah, she was. Like flute girly on the internet. And I think, um, right? So she was the first one I ever watched. And from her started stemming these like these younger players who were just a few years ahead of me or maybe an early university mm-hmm. were making these practice accounts. And I watched them religiously. I didn't know a lot about music. I didn't have a lot of connection. I mean, from a very small town, right? That was mm-hmm. quite isolated. So I didn't have a lot of outside music influence. So I watched them so much. I idolized them. Like I was like, oh, they're so inspiring. And it was such a big part of my young playing life, like watching other Instagram players. 
Yeah. And so I always wanted to do it. And I never did, you know, you get like shy and embarrassed and all that. I could yeah. never do that. But when COVID happened, like March 2020, and we all got sent home from university, yeah. I was in second, second year. Yeah, I was in second year. And I went home to my parents' house and I was like, well, I have nothing to do. And so many of my colleagues at the time were also, I think everybody was coming out with these practice accounts at the time because there mm -hmm. was really no other yeah. way to connect with other musicians or share your yeah. music at that time. Like there was really nothing. So, yeah, a hundred days of practice and all that, that was kicking <laughs> off big time. I remember that. Days of practice was huge. <laughs> yeah. I did not so, have a dedication for that. So sorry, go ahead. Those were the days. Those were the days. But um, yeah, so it was kind of just born out of my childhood bedroom. Um, okay. I started posting practice videos on Instagram. It was much more practice focused than it is okay. now. Now it's kind of everything. But at the time it was just, here's Peter the Wolf that I'm working on. And here's okay. you know, these pieces that I'm working on and what I'm trying to do with it and, and these kinds of things. So I started sharing that and a lot of other, again, like little players like me, sort of coming out with these things and we formed this really tight community of like young people who were isolated and wanted to connect with each other and keep cool. making music and stay inspired during yeah. lockdown and you know so we started commenting on all each other's videos and, oh, and that's class making, yeah, and it's making, so nice to build that kind of community as well that's the funnest part of it that's the funnest part of social media is interacting with people i think anyway i i know i agree and like from that tiny little account that I made. And I remember sitting in my childhood bedroom and thinking about the, the influencers per se, or the flutists, mm -hmm. the musicians that I had yeah. followed when I was in high school, thinking like, I'll never ever get to where they are. They had maybe like 9,000 or 10,000 followers. And I was like, I'll never get there, yeah. but like, I'll try for like 1,000. I really want to yeah. get 1,000 followers. And from there, I, you know, came this like, corner of the internet that I now live in um, yeah. with this community that that has come from it I am still so shocked that it yeah. <laughs> what, what came of it because I never ever thought it would grow like this um to the extent it has so what does it stand yeah. at now is it 35k the last time I looked is that still on Instagram yeah yeah what <laughs> that's insane well, actually, on the sort of note of landmark moments, the very first video you remember making for social media purposes, did you post it? Yes. So you didn't make like a trial one and then go, no, I'm not putting that out. You went straight for it and... No, I really just went for it. I, what was I it? can't remember. I remember my first couple. Okay. And um, they were either in my childhood bedroom with... Had, it had this ridiculous teal wall that I was standing okay. in front of or my parents' living room. <laughs> ah. That's where I recorded. And I was recording excerpts at the time. I remember recording um, a ridiculous version of Peter and the Wolf. <laughs> ridiculous I how? I think I posted a Mendelssohn scherzo very early. Um, I posted a Voliere way before wow. i should have been posting straight into the deep end there scherzo <laughs> voliere no messing around there that is wow <laughs> fair play to you 
okay, tell me. So Voliere, for example, how many times did you film Voliere before you got a take that you like? Or were you the kind of person that went straight away, nope, one take, that's it. Keep it real. It was, Give me the secrets. It was, it, it's different now than it was then. Then I think okay. I was much quicker to just be like, well, that's how I sound, post. Um, <laughs> um, and this is what I'm working on. And it was, I was much more, um, I felt less vulnerable then. I mean, I had, there were less people watching and I was also okay. a lot earlier in my career. So what I was sharing necessarily didn't have, it wasn't that big of a deal. Like now it feels yeah. like yeah. I, I want, you know, I want to still be real and share how I'm practicing, but I feel afraid a lot now to post yeah. practice with because somebody who could hire me will might see that and be like bad. <laughs> That's the classic. Yeah. Although I don't think that really happens to be like I've, I've I used to have that same fear, and I think a lot of people do, but I don't think people who are hired for orchestras are going about social media looking for one wrong note and going there. I knew it. I knew it. Look, there's a wrong note. Get rid of them. Like I, I don't think that's what it is, but it is the fear we create in our heads. Were you nervous yeah. when you started posting at the start? No, I, I wasn't then. Wow. I don't remember it anyways. I think I felt kind of untouchable at that time. I was that's like great. 19, right? And and just in my parents' house and nothing to do and and everything to share. I was like, yeah. I just want to to get out there and and be yeah. a part of this community. That's, okay, and so it's so fun. <laughs> I love that. I really love that. But I'm so curious now to see to follow this path. So you start posting. You've got a few videos out. No problems. Fun. Great. When was it? Like you said, you were talking about a thousand followers. Was that a target? And how did it feel to hit that? It was a target. I think I hit a thousand somewhere after sometime. I don't know, maybe eight or nine months in. So I was, mm -hmm. I remember after one year, I was at like 4K. So it kind of started to blow up pretty fast. Mm -hmm. um, because this was only, this was three and a half years ago that I started. Yeah, um, okay. So yeah, it started to blow up pretty fast. And during COVID, it really was such a solace for me because even when we went back to school, we were in you know, half online and half in person. Oh, and I was like, this is so weird like, that we're doing music oh, I school. I feel so and sorry for you guys. <laughs> well, and every school did it so differently too. And so every yeah. one of my colleagues at other schools, like everybody's life as a music student looked so differently at that time. So I yeah. was sharing my experience. And I think that was interesting to a lot of other people because they, some of them had True. to wear like, remember those like garbage bags that they had to put oh, over? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I oh, did you get did. any of those? Did you get any of those kind of gadgets for your flute? No. In so the one you're talking about, sorry, the garbage bag thing, is that the thing that like you're blowing over and it was behind the flute like that? No. No, no. That's, it's like a, that's like the wind defender or something like that. So, but yeah, saw, that made that something enough. There, I think the flutes at Juilliard or, or some, a bunch of schools in the States, they had these black bags that covered their entire flute. Oh, I did see that. I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, I never That was weird, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They in these big um plastic bubbles instead in my undergrad. So wind players, we would stand in these like plastic boxes to play. Whoa, so we okay. had wind ensemble and orchestra, but we were all just, just like in bubbles. When you say bubbles, I've got in my head, you know like the zorbing thing? 
It's not like you know, like the sort of like you get like the big ball and it rolls around, and you. It's not. It's not okay. That would be great. <laughs> cube, but there's no like. Top. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Little bit disappointed. Now. Yeah. Um. So. But so I was still sharing that it started for me to get a little bit stressful. I think when I was getting really close to finishing my undergrad and coming here to the Glenn Gould School. Um, I think my undergrad sharing my experience applying for master's programs and all of that, that was, it was a little bit scary because I was like, what if people are like judging the schools I'm applying for, or, you know, what yeah. if they're like, she'll never get in there. You know, I was kind of afraid to share some of that stuff. Although the reaction oh. I've gotten on my Instagram has always been overwhelmingly positive. Like I've never had yeah. to deal with a lot of hate. There's always some, but not a lot. So okay. I have, I'm so grateful to have such a positive community there, but there's still fear. And that's when it was the turning point for me where I started to, to, to feel a little bit like I needed to be a little bit more guarded about what I was okay. sharing. And that's okay. been a journey. And as my page got bigger and bigger, that that's been a journey that I've been kind of struggling with off and on, on, you okay. know, I want to be honest, but how, you know, I don't want to be too vulnerable and I want to share my experience, but I don't want to open it up to people being nasty. Like it's, it gets scary. The more people that are going to yeah. see what you share and everybody has, an I opinion. can imagine. And they're allowed to have an opinion. Um, but yeah, but you have to read the opinions. You have to look at them. <laughs> That's different. Yeah. So, yeah. and it's everything. It's not just my my playing or my interpretation that I'm scared of. It's like, are they gonna? Because now I'm starting to be out in the world as like a grown up or whatever. Yeah. Wow. And now it's like, what are they gonna think? Are they gonna think I'm not doing enough or I'm doing too much or you know I I should be okay. doing this school or this freelancing gig or this I should be doing more auditions or less auditions? Like you're always kind of wondering what they're thinking even though you shouldn't <laughs> you should it's easy to say that but it's so hard to detach yourself yeah. from that like i have nowhere near the following you do but like doing social media the last few months a little bit it started to happen a little bit i've had the odd yeah. negative comment too more on my so i have a football podcast or a soccer podcast for you guys and um, <laughs> that one a couple of videos went a little bit viral and there was some nasty comments in it but i <laughs> I love that. I love the drama. I'm, I'm a sucker for drama, man. So like we co-run, yeah, the football podcast, we co-run the TikTok page, but I'm banned from like replying to comments and stuff on it because my, my co-host is always like, Gareth, you can't, you can't say that to people. And I was like, no, let me, just let me say it to him because I love getting negative comments because I'm like, I'm going to go after them. He's like, no, don't. But in the flute world, to be fair, I don't get too much. But it's always that worry. You're throwing yourself out there all the time and you don't see the reaction. You're talking to a camera. And then you're in the good mood and you put it out and you feel a certain way. And then the reactions come in over time when you're maybe not in the same place you were when you posted it. And suddenly it become a lot more effective. Like I'll get comments or messages at like two in the morning. I'm like, oh, fuck. Man. <laughs> and I'm not in the mood to get that. If I, if I was doing a concert, you would get an instant reaction. You can deal with it. Yes. But it's that that's very weird. Yeah. And I think what's very unique about this kind of niche corner of the internet that we're in is that our audience is also made up of our colleagues. So, yeah. you know, like when I go play an orchestra gig for the first time, 
a lot of people already know who I am and therefore really? all have a preconceived idea of what I'm going to be like. And dealing okay. with that expectation is very scary to me because everybody has a different expectation. And if it was just an audience who I engaged with online but didn't really see them in person very much, I think that I wouldn't have so much fear. But when I see yeah. these people, I meet them all the time and it's so wonderful and amazing. Um, and I get to play with them. And so these people that I've engaged with online, I get to play with them and it's so special, but it comes with this big fear of like, what if I'm not what they thought I was going to be? And okay. that's really scary. Yeah. What do you think the preconceptions are? Or even actually a better question is, do you think your online personality is a character or is it more just an exaggeration of yourself or is it genuinely just yourself and their preconceptions come from that's their thing? Mm -hmm. I think my, I've always from the beginning been, it's been so important to me to share myself, like really okay. opinions that I believed and, and really meant and share feelings that I really felt. Um, and I get the feedback all the time that I'm people meet me in person and they're like, there you're exactly how you are online. And that's okay. so important to me that I get that. Because, that's clear. Yeah. I feel like I identify with who I come across as online. I feel like that is me. Um, but you know, when sometimes I'm really tired or, you know, I'm feeling exhausted, yeah. burnt out a little bit, you know, my, the internet doesn't see that part of me, Obviously, but yeah. Sometimes I am afraid to show that part of me in person because people really okay. notice when I'm having a bad day or just I'm a little bit more quiet than usual. People mm. really pick up on it and it makes me feel like I have this responsibility to be happy and energetic all the time. High energy, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. and it can be really exhausting, especially because I'm actually an introvert. <laughs> Nobody knows really? that. <laughs> I'm that is the i would never have believed that seriously you find yourself an introverted person i suppose well social media does suit itself to that because you are just talking to a camera essentially yeah and i love to meet people i love people it's not that but it is that i need an overwhelming amount of like recovery time to have the okay. energy to engage with people yeah. gotcha, so gotcha. um sometimes i don't always have that energy but i find myself always trying to exert it even when I don't have it because I'm like well that's what people expect and you know when I talk to people about this they're always like you're a human being <laughs> like human yeah, beings are a spectrum they're not just a certain way all the time but I remember in my undergrad when we all came back to school and my Instagram had kind of become this thing while we were all away people were different to me in okay. when I saw them again after in what sense away. in the sense that I don't know if they were they were nicer or they were more energetic when they were talking to me or more excited to talk to me but they they fed off of this like my energy more than they did before it was okay. I don't know it was really interesting and I remember like consciously being like okay now they expect this of me all the time and I am That's like a that a lot of pressure yeah, and I'm like that 98% of the time. Like, it's so... Okay. which is good shooting. 98% yeah. is good. <laughs> and it's really, really, truly me. But that those times where I'm not, I feel 
like I've let the whole world down, which is so dramatic. Yeah. It's, I, well, it's a little bit dramatic, yeah, okay, but yes. I get where it's coming from. I, I really do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. It's a really double-edged sword, social media in that sense. And 35,000 people as followers, like that's where the point where it really is, like it's impacting your life. Um, yeah. Have you been recognized? Have you ever been like, not in, I'm sure obviously plenty of times in orchestral settings, but have you ever like just walked down the street and someone's went, oh, hey. Yeah, actually. Seriously, yeah. Um, there are a few that stand out to me. Every time it happens, I'm like, this is so crazy. And it's so sweet to have those experiences because, you know, I remember being young and watching people like myself and how much I idolized them. And to be like, to have the privilege of being that person for somebody else now is is the most exciting thing in the whole world to me. And so when super cool. Yeah. And so when somebody says hi, I'm like, ah, that's so fun. But so um, one that sticks out to me the most, this was literally crazy. I still get like starstruck when I think about it. So the Chicago Symphony came to um, Toronto last year and played mm-hmm. in my school's hall, Kerner Hall. Wow. And okay. um, our school was so nice. They saved like 30 tickets so that we could all like the orchestral students could go. And I, you know, we looked forward to it all year. We were like, yes, the Chicago 70 is coming. They were playing Beethoven seven and we saw the concert and it was amazing. And then of course we're like kind of waiting at the stage door afterwards Mm. to be like, we love you, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so one of the players came up to me and she says, hi, I'm Grace. Like, I was the harpist tonight. I just want to say, I love your Instagram. Could I have a picture with you? And I was like, can I have a picture with <laughs> I, you? I, I'm waiting for, yeah. Oh, that is fucking great. That is a really cool moment. Oh, I would love yeah. that. Um, but even just walking on the street near my school, I've been stopped a few times by maybe students at the University of Toronto or um, you know, someone I'd give like a trial lesson to or something like okay. that. The world is so small, you know, like, which is Is so it always fun. flute players or is it musicians in general or do you get people just nothing to do with music? Most of the time it's flute players. Okay. Um, but there's, there's other, just musicians in general. Yeah, I would, I would say. Um, and That's... It's so fun. <laughs> and the reason I'm at as well is just because I put this on my Instagram the other day, but I got recognized for the first time by someone I'd never met. And no I was way. I was beside myself. I was with my girlfriend. I was like, it actually wasn't for this podcast again. It was for the football one, but I was waiting to get the train the other day. And some guy was like, he was sort of floating around me. Like I could see him like trying to ear into my conversation with my girlfriend. And my instant reaction in the big city is to be like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then he shouted something in German at me, but had a really strong accent. And I didn't really understand. I said, sure you going? And then he spoke English. And I was like, what? And he went, you're from the football podcast. I've seen you on YouTube. And I was like, what? What? And he's like, yeah, it's really good. And I was like, well, you recognize me from the internet? Yeah. <laughs> and then the awkward thing, though, was we got on the same train as him. So he's at the other end of the train, and I'm at the bottom end with my girlfriend going, <laughs> and he's sitting there going, okay, that was a bit, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> and I'm going, thank you. I'm like peeking down the train going, thank you. <laughs> Man, I was so delighted. It was the coolest moment. That's it. I'm done. Now. So and obviously, nice. the fame went straight to my head. Straight to my head. I, I, oh man, I'm running about here like I own the place. I'm running about like Elton John over here. I'm, it's like I'm famous. I'm a star now. But that's yeah. I wanted to ask about that because I'm sure like thirty five thousand followers. It must happen. Um, 
does I probably should have checked this as well. You know, my research in this podcast can be lacking sometimes. Um, but is there anyone, any famous flute players following you? That's such a good question. Um, you have know you what? ever got like oh? Amy Porter followed me yesterday. Oh wow! Like, okay, that's a good one. Yeah, that was exciting. Um, you know what's so funny is my teacher Susan just followed me like five days ago. <laughs> I was like, Susan. Did she know? Did she know? Like, you've got... Okay. Okay, that's good. Because that would have been a hell of a shocker. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so that was funny. Um, I think there are some other... The principal flute of the Chicago Symphony follows me, which was really exciting. Who's the principal um, for Chicago? Stefan... Um, it's the Icelandic guy, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very bad. I'm going to butcher his name if I try to say it. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm not going to try um, to do that. Gunn. I fucked up enough names. That's a good one. <laughs> Jennifer Gunn. Yeah, that was exciting. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, so there's there's a few that's really, really fun. Um, and I think, I'm not sure if Emmanuel Paud follows me or not. Um, Are you I know not we, sure if Emmanuel Paud follows you or not? I don't know. Because we've engaged in like we've like dm'd before and like shared what? stories and stuff before yeah because well, i've played for him a couple times so i've met him a few times okay um okay. which is so cool but i'm not sure if he follows me or not but um igor igorkin do you know him the, oh the... yeah the pickle player from bird and phil yeah so he follows me and he is so awesome i love him he is i actually yeah. love his content he's really cool yeah but that's it it's that's a, really... a good one i should look and see if there's any more. You should look at the manual by who follows you. You really should. Matt, he checked one of my stories once and I was beside myself for like a week. I've actually only met him once. I met him for the first because I, yeah, he never really came to Britain when I was studying. And in Paris, he did come once, but I was just starting to come there mad. So I wasn't allowed to play in the masterclass. So I never got to meet him. And then I met him for the first time this year, actually. I was over oh. in Paris visiting my old teacher and she was playing the Radio France Orchestra and Pau was playing the Elliot Carter Concerto that night. And then afterwards, my teacher was like, oh, do you want to go for a drink? And maybe Emmanuel will come by for it. And I was like, oh, yeah, Emmanuel. Yeah, like that's, yeah, I call him that as well, obviously. Yeah. It's Emmanuel, it's my <laughs> mate. And at some point, he did pop up and I was getting really nervous. He was like, it's fine. It's fine. He's a friend. It's fine. I was like, it's not just a friend. It's Emmanuel. Yeah. And I had a few beers and then he came up and I was like, oh my God, it's him. And then it was the cooler moment was the fact that it was just the three of us sitting chatting and having a drink. And he just asked me a few questions as if we were like equals. And then I'm dying the whole time. Though, Can I get a picture, please? I? Yeah. But I didn't. Fought off. I thought, no, play cool. Play cool. So I gave him a, I gave him a fist bump at the end. And then when I got, I was like, oh, man. No, he's so good. Yeah. Oh, like that's one of the top ones for me. I met him and I've met James Galway, and that's me. Happy now. That's probably starstruck for both of them. James Galway. I really, really want to meet him. He's so He really cute. is adorable. Um, I had a whiskey with James Galway, which is one of my <gasps> big, big, big moments. I had a, I shared a Bushmills whiskey with him in Belfast. I played for him in Belfast once recently, actually. And we got him a bottle of whiskey as a thank you present. And his wife, he, I hope. Don't think he listens to this podcast. Ah, he does anyway, Jimmy. Sorry. Um, yes. He wanted to have a bit of whiskey, but his wife was like, "You're not allowed it." And then she turned her back, and he's like, "Quickly, get that, get that out!" And he got us all the whiskey, <laughs> and we drank it together. It was great. Um, but he's really cool, right? Sorry. Anyway, sidetrack. I I wrote out like a load of questions to ask you, but the more you're talking, the more you're sort of like answering them by proxy, and I've got more questions I want to ask, and this is going to go on too long. So, but I do have to ask this one: um, collaborations. Have you done any? Are you going to do any? Is there any you would like to do? 
Yeah. So the first collaboration that I did, I think started off strong, I think was Flute Center of New York. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That was in, I was in, I think, fourth year undergrad. And I, you know, I was starting to get up there. I was like maybe at like 15, 16K, something like that. And I was starting to be like, oh, man, like I really want to do a collaboration. So I reached yeah. out to them and I felt like, I don't know. I was like, why would they want to collaborate with me? But they did believe it. So um, that was the first one I did. I collabed with Soundbrenner after that, mm-hmm. um, which they're those wearable metronomes that like vibrate. Yeah. They, yeah, I've seen them. Those are really cool. So did you um, get one then? Yeah, I did. Um, I've wanted to try them for a while. They feel like a little bit of a cheat code when you're recording and stuff or practicing because you can't see them, but you can keep really well in time. No, I know. And like, I've never cheated before, but sometimes I think how easy it would be because you can put it on like your ankle. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's cheating. I know. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of, yeah, my students will be watching this as well. Do not do the, ah, nah. Don't do it. I don't care. (laughs) We do not condone cheating on the N9G podcast. Um, (laughs) That's really cool. Um, Yeah. What else? Keep going. Um, Yeah. So those are the two biggies. And then I have another one coming out in the new year but i don't think i'm allowed to say okay okay no we won't we won't pry then yeah because this comes out way before the new year we have a very quick turnover period of this podcast so okay you can tell me off air if you want then i'll I'll not tell anybody um okay who would you like to collab with what's like the dream collaboration would it be katie flute i i genuinely think it would i really think it would you was the og yeah we've dm'd a few times um that would just, be great. That would yeah. shock the flute world. That would bring the flute world to its core. That one. That'd be so cool. I think, you know, I should really reach out to her again um, and talk to her about it. Please do. That would so satisfy like 14 year old me who played yeah. the flute. And she was always just like, like mother flute Instagram. Like yeah. I just loved her so much. I watched every one of her videos. And even now, She's one of my like comfort creators. Like I'll go back and watch what there she's are. See, that's so cool as well for you as a creator because you were part of that generation. So because yeah. when I was younger, Facebook was bigger and YouTube mm-hmm. was in its early days. So it wasn't, I don't have that experience with Instagram. I came to Instagram as an adult, not as a teenager. So yeah. I didn't really have that, which I think for you is so cool that you were part of it and now you go into it. That's so much fun. It is so much fun. And it's crazy to see how social media has changed since then like it's it was so simple i think then and now it's gone it's been so complex outcome have you had any issues with like like i don't know copyright strikes or all that kind of stuff all those like mindful like pitfalls that come with social media yeah when i used to sometimes when i share a recording of a piece that i've recorded or something on youtube youtube will be like this is you know warner classics and i'll be like yeah thank you so much (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> hey stop flirting youtuber no, give me a drink first I, think, <laughs> I posted something on instagram and it was blocked i think somewhere i don't know it was blocked in a couple countries because it was like this is a manual pound and i was like that's the nicest thing I you could have ever said to me yeah. Unblocked yeah. my video <laughs> that happened to me once well i was so buzzed with that i was like yeah take i'll take the block yeah yeah I know it does sound just like a manual actually now that you mentioned it yeah thank you very much <laughs> I, 
that's tough sometimes. Um, and it can be kind of frustrating. I haven't had any issues recently, so I don't know. You've never I'm been blocked, have you? You've never like had your account suspended or anything like that, no? No, okay. nothing like that. Good. So that's that's been really good. But it can be difficult, especially because so much of what we do is playing music by other people. Um, yeah. It's it's very easy for to, to get copyrighted. And, and, those and it's also the fear of like when you make a social media account that it's kind of out of your control and it's such an important part of your life. Like if your social media account was to get like hacked, for example, that would be, that'd be a nightmare. I know. And I used to really really be worried about that. And when I was in high school, I used to sing a lot and I had a little like singing account on Instagram. And that was, so that was my first little taste of social media actually was my little singing account on Instagram. And I would post little cover videos with me and my guitar and it was so fun. Mm -hmm. And I remember I went away for the summer and it had been hacked by something like super inappropriate and so there was like uh, basically like nudes going out on my like not of me but like yeah i know on yeah, yeah my <laughs> on my my singing account on instagram and i was like this is nightmare so i've always and you can't been delete it then obviously because you can't get access to the account exactly. to delete it so I that's think my worst fear man i need to change my mind now but <laughs> I was so scared of that when I started this one again. Yeah. And I haven't thought of it in a few years, but um, I'm going to think Sorry to bring that back up. I got to Actually, one of the ones I've had, it's ridiculous, but because um, TikTok is famously like fickle for this kind of stuff. TikTok mm-hmm. can take a lot of stuff down. Instagram's a little bit more reliable, I feel, but TikTok is really fickle. You can lose videos so easily. And yeah. obviously, I'm very early on in this. So, but I have one, my viral success in TikTok, which was so stupid i it actually wound me up so much but at the same time i was very happy and again it went to my head i was back home when this happened but i i spent a lot of time like making clips of my podcast and doing videos and thinking of content i'm going to create and creating it and really building it well then one night one night i go to my friend's house when i'm back home in belfast and they have like a dog pen because they have a dog a small like sausage dog but the dog's not in there and they have one of those Roomba things that like you know like the Hoover that cleans your flat and you like leave it on it does it yeah so we had a few drinks in us and I was like wouldn't it be great if we taped a knife to it so we taped the knife to the Roomba and then put it in the dog pen and put loads of balloons in and you sort of bet on it and it was a lot of fun I put that up and it's got like 450,000 views or something it went like mega viral and I was like that's what goes viral not all the content I spent hours curating the time I taped a fucking knife to a hoover and that's it explodes and then I genuinely considered for a while like maybe I should be the knife guy maybe that's my thing I'll start like taping knives to different household objects and I'll be the knife guy the knife guy doesn't suit me no don't but then I've got this real fear now where I'm like if that one video gets deleted most of my social media like my tiktok just collapses and every time i'm floating past someone, i was like don't hit the delete button matt do not hit that it, it would like ruin my not my career but still, it would be, yeah. a, be a big hit to my tiktok for one video it's so yeah. fickle i'm always afraid of something happening to it a tiktok you're you have a tiktok i have one but i've never how really do you feel about it? it i i've never okay. really done it i and like i watched a few creators on tiktok when tiktok kind of blew up during covid yeah. But for some reason, I just don't, I don't love the platform. I don't really understand how it works it's, and like the yeah. editing and stuff. I don't, I don't understand that. I literally think anyone understands TikTok. TikTok is lawless, man. There's just like so much, excuse my language, shit on it. Like there's so there much shit on TikTok. Uh, excuse me, sorry. You actually, you can't swear on this podcast. 
I'm going to have to bleep that out now. No, I Thank can you. swear. <laughs> I know, I know. You, you can definitely swear on this podcast. But. <laughs> but there's so much stuff on TikTok and Instagram. I always just found to be a little bit more straightforward. And it's easier for me to go from Instagram to YouTube. Like I find it a little True. bit more compatible platform. Yeah, TikTok entirely. is just like a beast i just didn't i just won't touch it it's just... it is it's a weird place and i feel like i don't know anyone that has success on both like i'll find tiktok yeah. people who are massive and have like 800 followers on instagram yeah there's no yeah. one who can really do both they're so different and they're so separate and i feel like you need a different personality type for tiktok as well tiktok mm-hmm. is so intense and it's so yeah. like it's very a lot happens all the time like yeah, TikTok, yeah. within 30 seconds, you've seen way too much content in 30 seconds. While Instagram, I feel like you are building up a community. You are talking to people. I love Instagram. It's definitely my favorite of all the platforms. Me um, too. But yeah, I get that. And YouTube, to be fair, your YouTube's going very well. It seems to be doing great. Is that something you're looking to do a little bit more in the future? Those sort of like mid-length videos, 10 to 15 minutes? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I used to vlog a little bit more in my undergrad and I loved it so much it was so much fun for me and I always heard back from um you know the community from Instagram that they loved Mm. the blogs and those kinds of things so that was fun um I stopped when I came to the Glenn Gold School because I started getting this really really intense imposter syndrome and I felt too like to vlog I was like I I feel too insecure but making that audition vlog video was super fun for me and I really I want to get back into that I feel a lot more confident in making that I think it was great it was really good content and it's content that needs to be made as well although isn't it like it's weird how imposter syndrome just strikes at the most inopportune moments in your life but when you get accepted to a prestigious conservatoire then it decides to pop up like where were you when I was doing nothing yeah (laughs) now I'm here and I've earned my place here now you're going to rock up right yeah, so mm. that was that was really tough, but I'm feeling a lot more confident. Do you now. feel like posting on social media and being so open with it, it relates to live playing? Do you have less nerves with live playing because you are putting yourself out there all the time, or are they two totally different skill sets? That's like the best question ever. I've never thought thank about you. that. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. I'm a guest. Oh, thank you. Um, you. Got to clip that. Think... <laughs> you know what? I think very very different skill sets, but what? does i'm better at public speaking now because okay. of my instagram definitely better at public speaking so when it comes to like introducing my pieces or doing like interviews about things or whatever um i'm much more confident and much more content and comfortable in that space than than i would have been if i didn't do the instagram thing um because yeah, I don't think I need to explain that. I think that makes sense. But I think... Yeah, no, it does make sense. It makes more yeah. sense. But performing, I think it's a totally different... Totally different, okay. I really do. Um, and because, yeah, the more I post on Instagram, I still have performance anxiety. <laughs> you know, like... Do you really? Yeah, like, do you suffer from it? It was so bad last year. Um, it was really, really awful. Like there came a point because, I mean, I came here to the conservatory and I looked around at all my colleagues who were like, I started when I was two and then I went to Eastman and then I went to Peabody and then I went to Juilliard and now I'm here. I was like, that's so great. Um, (laughs) and (laughs) I I was never like jealous or anything like that. I, I really pride myself in being like, 
I so genuinely feel so excited for people when they feel success or have success. Um, But I did feel so insecure because my story did not look like any of their stories. Oh, I Um, get that. Yeah. That made me feel like I didn't belong. Um, And even when I was accepted to the Glen Gould School, I remember even up until the first day of school feeling like I would go to sleep at night and I'd be afraid that I'd wake up to an email being like, we're sorry, we actually sent you an acceptance by mistake. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I had the exact same nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And I, for months and months and months, I thought that I was literally going to receive an email that was like, oopsie. (laughs) (laughs) That would be very clumsy in their part though, wouldn't it? That would would be really bad. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they just have to let me in at that point, even if it Yeah, was at that. that point, it's rude not to let you in. Again, well, yeah. I told her. Damn. But so my imposter syndrome was so bad. And um, it it really, really affected my playing in front of my, my okay. colleagues because um, and, and my teachers because I really felt like I I wasn't ready to be there. And looking back, I was ready. I was inexperienced. That is true. Yeah. I was inexperienced, but... I was ready and I was in the right place. Um, but I would go up to, I, I recall my most, you know, the, the hardest performance I ever did was in my first semester here. And I was in my mm-hmm. flute and harp duo and we went and we, I was just playing for like, it was like 50 people. It was like just my colleagues and a few teachers. Okay. And I was introducing the piece and I like I was my voice was shaking and I like couldn't even oh. like, see straight. I was so oh, I afraid. Feeling, yeah. And I somehow got through it. I like blacked out through the entire entire performance. But my I was shaking from head to toe and I like went to the bathroom afterwards and just about passed out. Like I was wow, so okay. overcome with this fight or flight feeling. Like yeah. you, I really truly felt in my heart of hearts that I was like going to die. Like it yeah. was worst feeling and so that was a big turning point for me where I was like okay I have to do something about this right now because this is not sustainable and I can't keep living like this like my love of music was gone because I existed yeah. purely in fear like it was just so yeah. it was that um and I think so many people have these feelings and we don't necessarily always have an avenue to talk about it um we and I think really it, it's don't. getting better and better but um, you know, a lot of us, I think, hide our anxiety because, you know, maybe it has something we think it, you know, somehow means that we're not as good of a player as somebody who's confident. And it really, I yeah. don't think has anything to do with the other thing. No, um, no. But so I did freaking everything <laughs> to try and okay. like, what did you get, try? Tell me. Yeah. So I went, I got hypnotized. Can you believe that? I went no to no way. I literally did. I literally did. I went to a okay, hypnotist. Okay, hypnotist. Do they have like the little pendulum, or is that is that that's the old school thought. thing? That's oh, what I um, you're breaking my heart it, now. It wasn't. It wasn't that. <sighs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, "This is." I would walk straight out. Like, excuse me, where is the pocket watch? No. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was so interesting. It was like, um, I when I was hypnotized, I felt like I was walking around in my brain. Does that mean okay. I literally felt like I like my whole body existed in here and I was just like walking around <laughs> and it was so weird. And then um, but it was actually really good because he 
doing the hypnot like the hypnotizing taught me how to get into this hyper relaxed state okay and like a focused state it, it was like similar to meditation kind of yeah because that's what i was just thinking yeah yeah with performance anxiety like a huge issue is that you can't focus on what you need to focus yeah. on which is music yeah. right because you're everywhere about everything yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and and so I was able to then learn from that. And then he taught me how to put myself into this like quasi state of hypnosis right before I go on and play um, wow. that kind of zeros you in. And I found that to be, that wasn't my, like the only thing that I needed, but it did really help me figure okay. out how I needed to feel before I went yeah. there. So yeah. that was really good. Um, and another wow. thing. So you think that, the hypnosis worked a little bit then? I do. I really think it works. Wow. Um, and I was so I'm skeptical. sorry for my skepticism. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm was, sorry for my I'm... skepticism. I don't know why, but you hear hypnosis and you think, nah, come on now. But <laughs> yeah. there probably well, is. Thought... Yeah. I felt like that too. And like, I went on the call and I was like, well, like I'm desperate. So let's just see Hang what on, happens. You went on the call. Was it online? It was a You Zoom can hypnotize call. people over, over Zoom? Can you believe that? No. <laughs> so, Man, so it, I can believe a little bit to be fair because I remember once Darren Brown, the UK comedian or the UK magician, did a thing on live TV where he got he hypnotized people through the TV, and like one in five people ended up stuck to their sofa. That was the whole thing. No so, way. Yeah, it can't happen. Sorry, I didn't think I would talk about Darren Brown in this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> back into it. So hypnosis worked. What else have you tried? Yeah. So. Keep it. Um. The hypnosis, that was one of my, the the most like wild That's things that I, I think. Um, I talked to just about everybody I could talk to. Like I talked to all of my colleagues. I talked to all of my teachers um, and every one of them had a different experience with performance anxiety wow. and a different thing that they learned. And um, I shared a little bit about it online um, while I was going through it, but it, this is inspiring me a little bit more to share more about that because I shared a little bit about it when I was in it, but never really the reflection process afterwards. And I think that might actually be really helpful. Well, yeah. Thanks. Yeah, um, there we are. That's what I'm here. But, but I, I read a lot to about, you know, like the inner game of music, the inner game of tennis. Have you read either of those? I've read both of them. Yeah. I love the inner game of tennis. Huge fan for any game of music I read after. Wasn't as keen on that, but I love the inner game of tennis. I adored it. Yeah, me too. And that was really helpful. Um, just trying to navigate like the different states that I should be in while practicing yeah. and performing was helpful. And then at the end of the day, um, I think what helped me the most on top of all of those things that were music related was just introspection. Like my teacher asked me, Susan said, to, I talked to her about this and Susan said, why do you feel like you're not good enough? And I was like, well, now I'm going to cry in my lesson. How long have you got? <laughs> yeah. How long have you got? Yeah. <laughs> but um, it, it was a really important question. And for me to get to the bottom is, yeah. of that is what really helped me get over that. And I still feel afraid. You know, I still feel anxious before yeah. I perform like we all do, but I don't feel that it's out of control now. I definitely yeah. think that I have learned how to use it as like a propellant um yeah and something that helps me get into the the correct adrenaline that i need to be in to be really yeah. uh dynamic on stage i think and focus exactly yeah there's yeah. a fine line between it with that adrenaline with being terrified and being able to create genuine magic on stage yeah. because it just adds but it's a very fine line it's hard to yes. walk on that line without <laughs> 
breaking down and getting too nervous and also getting too hyped up and yeah. pushing out the other way. Yeah. But it's, yeah, that's so cool. I didn't know yeah. you had all those issues as well. That's really cool to talk about that. You should make more content about it. I would watch I that. Should. There you are. I really now should. you said it in this podcast, you have to. You kind of oblige yourself to. <laughs> yeah, I will. I, I yeah, really there will. you are. It's good. It's good. It was a long journey. And I think we continue going on that journey forever. I mean, in different stages of our life, we're going to have different stages of performance anxiety based on yeah. things that are happening and, and things like that. So always knowing how to get back to home base, I think was a really important thing for me to learn. That's, that's yes, beautifully put. Wonderful. Wait, <laughs> I didn't think we end up talking about imposter syndrome. I'm so glad we did. I actually talked, yeah. I think, did I talk about it with Jay? So we talked about you on the episode with Jay Marsh, <laughs> aka that. the Wild Flute. For anyone listening, that was on episode oh, 22, I want to say, 23 maybe. It's a couple of episodes ago anyway, which was really cool because now you're on it when I was talking about you and now I'm talking about her on it. Yes. Um, yeah. And now I think I've had six or seven guests on this podcast i've had two irish people and i've had two canadians so if i get one more canadian that'll be the most represented nationality in this podcast and i wow. never thought that would happen <laughs> and the one Can- yeah i i talked about this a little bit on the podcast with jay and then i went and looked it up that's one of those games we love to play is like guess who's canadian you'd never believe yes. this person's canadian and the one i always love is shania twain man shania twain's canadian no, so you guys awesome? have oh yeah oh, i'm big big i don't know why i'm talking about shania twain but yeah um you were gigging with her then but not with shania twain with jay marsh unfortunately yeah. you weren't gigging with shania twain if you were gigging with shania twain we'd be talking about nothing else <laughs> on this podcast but uh you were gigging with yeah jay we'll call her the wild flute then i like her alter ego thing um Our with the uh, peterborough symphony um yeah, how did yeah. you find that how was that so fun it was yeah. so fun um i was actually in i was backstage before one of our Royal Conservatory Orchestra concerts, um, when Jay DM'd me on Instagram, I was like, hey, like, do you want to come and play classical symphony with the Peterborough Symphony, you know, in a few weeks? And I was like, jumping around backstage, I was like, yes! I was so excited! Like, little tidbit to have right before I went on stage, because then I was yeah. so excited. So immediately I said, I think I typed like, yes, with like 8,000 exclamation points. I was like, yeah. yes. And then, um, huh. <laughs> so that was so fun. And um, we went and yeah, like, so Jay actually, she came to my recital last year, which meant the ah. whole. And I met her kind of briefly at, um, you know, Marina Piccinini came here and did a concert. And so I oh, met cool. Jay there actually. Um, but just like all very briefly, like we knew about each other. Yeah. We, we supported each other online, but we um, weren't, besties like we are now yeah and so um we went she I met her at you know met her at a subway station and we drove together and we just me 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 the whole way you know what I mean I can imagine you guys together that would be great oh (laughs) so fun and so we we spent the we spent the weekend together in Peterborough we did some you know practicing together and Mm. that was so fun to be able to practice with her just outside of the context of the orchestra not be like not yeah. only because classical symphony is like a bitch <laughs> also but, how is classical symphony as a second fl- i don't think i've even seen the second flute part so the second flute part there are some things that are uh, uh, so much easier but there are some yeah. things that are just different enough that it was really tough because i've all uh, like i've learned the first part for different exams and I've then it's like a third down or something then 
Yeah, so it's like oh. or like the same thing but over a quarter note. Like that's awful. That's yeah, aw- that's so the worst. Confusing to learn, but um, super fun. Like it was just the most fun experience. And that's great. Um, I love that. Jay has the most colorful sound. Like there's so much. Like even like wisdom in her sound. Like I hear her play, and I know I'm like exactly what you mean. So, yeah, yeah. There's there's so much person in her sound there which, is yeah and that know, was it's, so exciting to listen to it's so weird that, like yeah because i've talked about this before but when you're interviewing someone in a podcast it's a bit weird to sit and say to them the whole time you're brilliant you're great i love your sound so i normally do it the episode afterwards i will reflect and say that so i'll talk about jay now and then my next guest i'll talk about how great your plan is but <laughs> jay sound when i discovered it, i was like whoa like it was amazing as well because I'd not heard of her for so long and then she <laughs> slipped under the radar, did her own thing and then just sort of opened up, kicked down the door, had an album playing in an orchestra and she's like, whoa. And I listened I to oh, shit, she's good. Man, like yeah. I was genuinely, like, I mean this in the best way possible, but I wasn't expecting her to be that good. I didn't think someone could get that far in their career without me having not heard of them and then right. suddenly be that good. And I was like, fuck, yeah. she can play, man. <laughs> she'll be listening right now. She'll be delighted with us, yeah. And I've just yeah, finished making the clips for her as well, so yeah, she'll be very I'm happy. Oh, yeah, she will. And she has the pink hair, which also, but I'm going to do a quick, we can't keep talking forever. I want to talk forever, but I know you've got an exam to get to. So, but one thing, just what I'm thinking of, I didn't send you this question. I just purely out of my own curiosity because we were talking about Jay, the pink hair. You're a redhead. I'm a redhead. Is there any other famous ginger fruit players? I was trying to think about this. Not that we're famous fruit players, but you know what I mean. Is there anyone? We are famous. I can't think of one. I can't think of anyone apart from us. So, like, technically, we're the most famous redhead fruit players then, maybe. I can't think of anyone. I can't think of anyone. Yeah, there we are. Well. That's great. Uh, that, then, no. Good. We'll move on from that. Jay That's, is also naturally a redhead, which is She so is. Cool. She told me this, yeah. But she yeah. doesn't count anymore. No, she's on. No, no, she's not. She's not allowed in the club anymore. She's with the pink ones. <laughs> yeah, no. sorry. Nah, you can't have both. You can't have both now. No. Right. Yeah. Okay. Before we go, I do want to run through some of these fun questions. Um, yeah, I think I sent you these anyway because I'm very professional and very nice in my guess. I send them. I don't put them any curveballs in this because I don't want you guys getting shocked. But anyway, um, let's go through. Favorite flute concerto. Iber. Is that basic? No. I think it, it's yes. basic, but it's my favorite. I'm <laughs> yes. sorry. But it is it is a gorgeous concerto. I, yeah, it'd be my favorite too. Okay. Yeah. Actually, out of the two Mozart concertos, do you have a preference? Oh, you know what? I like to play Mozart in G more, but I like to listen to Mozart in D like significantly more. Yeah. I <laughs> Well, I'm sick of playing that G music concerto, man. The first few bars, I cannot do it anymore. I play that every day for about 15 years. I cannot do it anymore. Okay, uh, do you have a favorite flute album? Um, yeah, I have a couple. I think Marina Piccini. Oh, give me a few. Yeah, Bach Sonatas, her Bach album. Oh, is that really the one? Good. Like, it's quite zoomed in on her face, the cover. Is that right? Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's quite, yeah. yeah that was like 10, 15 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, I that love That is a banging album, album then. Um, Susan Hefner's Canadian flute masterpieces. So up it, yeah. there. Um, but my Listen favorite it, yeah. recording that of hers that she ever did was her Burton Sonatina from her American flute Ooh. master masterwork. Okay. So I, that. I have to um, check that out. And then have you heard the um have you heard Emmanuel Pio's Into the Blue, his like jazz yes. album? 
Oh yeah, that's an old good one. I think yeah. And I oh. love. Oh, and um, another one that I've been listening to so much recently. I forget the name, but it's the album that oh, Fly the Coop. Um, Ami Ferguson and Ruckus. Do you oh, know? I've seen that. I haven't listened. Someone else recommended this to me recently. I have. I think it was maybe Jay recommend. Someone recommended this to me, and I haven't got around to it yet. It's really up there in my list of favorite okay. albums. It's wow. Fantastic. Okay. What's on it? Um, it's just a bunch of like. So my favorite is her Bach E minor sonata. Okay. Um, okay. But they, she has like a full broke band, but they make it like so fun and then in some of them okay. they do like in the Ooh. third movement they do some like jazz improv <laughs> in the middle of it wow so wild it's really creative and that. super outside the box and she also i'm not sure if this is on fly the coop or not but she did a recomposed version of the partita where she sings the bass line while she plays Whoa. like singing and a- playing at the same time or recorded mm-hmm. separately no singing and playing whoa man oh i have to check that out oh that's cool i would love to do something like that that. yeah okay that's what i'm doing tonight then i'm going to pour myself a drink and do that tonight okay next question first flute album you remember either buying or streaming i imagine it's going to be streaming for you yeah yeah um the first flute album was susan milan her La Flute Enchante album. And it's because Chaminade Concertino with orchestra is on it. And I yeah. was playing that piece, you know, as we all do. Uh, and yeah. that I, I think that was the first flute album I ever I ever streamed. Uh, yeah. That's a yeah. that's a good one. That's yeah. that's a really good answer. I wasn't expecting to hear Sue Milan on this podcast. She's a great flute player. I'm a huge fan of her as well. Yeah, me too. Nice one. Okay, what's your first album in general? You remember buying or streaming? Please tell me it's not the same one. Please tell me you've got something that's not flute. Well, um, the uh, <laughs> the first album that I ever bought, and I de- I bought like I bought a CD of it was twenty ten. Oh, was it twenty ten or twenty twelve? One Direction, Up All Night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's that's not bad actually. That there's I've heard a lot worse than that. That's not bad. One Direction is never too into, but Harry Styles yeah. I like as a solo artist. One Direction, yeah, I was a little bit too old for One Direction, but Harry Styles as <laughs> a solo artist I enjoyed a lot. That's that's I not too him. bad. Yeah, and Jonas Brothers probably I probably had a Jonas <sighs> Brothers album around that time too. Don't talk about the Jonas Brothers. But don't talk about the Jonas. Oh my gosh! No, Sorry, no, 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 no. I haven't got around to this in this podcast yet. But my, very quickly, my favorite band growing up were a band called Busted, and they were just before the Jonas Brothers. They were kind of like the Jonas Brothers, a little bit ruder, and they were British. They never broke the American market, and then they broke up after two years. Really quickly, they were huge. I went to see them last year when they had their comeback tour. Oh my god, it's amazing! Anyway, um, <laughs> when they broke up, they sold all the rights for their songs to the Jonas Brothers record label, and the Jonas Brothers re-released them under their own name. So it's why a lot of people in North America are familiar with like Year Three Thousand. They think that's a Jonas Brothers song, which <laughs> drives me insane because it's not. It's a busted song. Busted that's wrote that song, and a lot of Jonas Brothers. No, there's a lot. I think they did what I go to school for as well. They released that on their own label. They released a couple of busted tracks. So I'd never forgive them for that. And there was a couple of bad words. There was a couple of swear words in year 3000 originally. There was a line about a triple-breasted woman. And I think the Jonas Brothers changed that because it was a bit too risque. So we don't talk about the Jonas Brothers in this podcast. Not that they're bothered. I'm sure they're not going to be worried that I don't talk about them. Um, But anyway, okay, that's not bad. Okay, Um, one piece you would love to perform that you haven't performed yet. 
Burton Sonatina. It's been He's so popular. And you know what? I just bought the sheet music yesterday. Okay. Oh, there it is. Are you going to play on it? It's right. Oh, <laughs> oh what a what a coincidence. I'm doing I, You've of, never played it. Wow. I've never played it. And I've always been so in love with it. It's just never fit on one of my recital programs. I get it. Before. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I am doing, instead of a recital this year at the Glenn Gold School, in your final year, you can do a super mock where you do like an hour and a half mock audition. You just basically oh. play every flute excerpt ever. Oh, that sounds <laughs> and, fun. Um, yeah. I really wanted to devote my year to excerpts um, to really, really, okay. really feeling more comfortable with them. But I decided a couple of days ago that I'm going to do a non-credit recital anyways. Um, okay. So I'm going to put Burton Sonatina on it. So I should play it this April. Woo! There we are. Okay. Yeah. So there we are. Beautiful. Okay. Um, quickly. Oh, this is a good question. I forgot I made this question. Uh, designing your own dream concert. So you can design a dream concert. You've got three performers, a headliner and two supports. They can be any genre of music, classical or non-classical, alive or dead but your dream concert? Wow. It's such a good question. That's a hard question. question. The, a hard question. The, the curation of this concert, I don't think it'll blend very well, but it's just going to be my... That doesn't I'm matter. Selfish and pick my three faves. That's, that's so, it. Let's have... We're going to open... Who are we going to open with? I want to have Harry Styles on that concert. <laughs> Harry yeah, Styles it needs to is be. on the concert. Okay. Then I want to have um, Emily Bynan. I want her. Emily, if you're listening, you're on, you're on my concert. Oh, I doubt she is. I really <laughs> hope she is. I love Emily Bynan. Oh, man. Um, I just absolutely love her sound. It's so rich. So I would love to have her on the concert. Oh, and actually, I'm not sure if you've heard of this pianist, but um, Philip Chu, if Philip is listening to this, he's going to go bonkers. Hey, Philip. I hope you're listening to this. Philip um, no, I haven't. He's a Canadian pianist. And I okay. met him this year at um, Scotia Fest, which is a summer festival in Halifax in Nova Scotia. Mm. Yeah. And he was one of our like guest artists. And um, he is just brilliant. Um, I've never been super in love with listening to solo piano. Um, my boyfriend's oh, really? a pianist, so... I feel really yeah, bad. Yeah, well, you should have bad really <laughs> I've never yeah. really loved solo piano. And also, okay. never really loved Bach that much. But um, I sat down in this concert, and Philip Chu was opening with this Bach chorale. And I mm. like literally transcended realms. Like, I was like, okay. I could not believe that I was experiencing that that level of musicianship. So I would put him on this concert. I think. How do you spell more. his surname? Um, C H. It's either C H U or C H I U. Okay, yeah, but I'll find it yeah. one way or the other. Okay, good. Yeah. I will definitely check that out. Yeah, that's good. He's brilliant. And oh yeah, so that's your three. Who's headlining then out of the three? It's weird for Harry Styles to support. <laughs> or sorry. Yeah, Harry Styles to support Emily Bynan. As much as I love Emily Bynan, it would be a bizarre concert, wouldn't it? It would bring the atmosphere down a little bit. But, but it's your concert. It is my concert. What, do you, what are you going to be most hyped for out of the three? Oh, that's so is hard. Is to see live. doesn't mean that it's your favorite musician. It means who you want to see live. I think I think Emily Bynan. Ah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I 
totally dig that. That's a really good answer. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> oh, what's your go-to piece to impress someone who has never heard the flute or classical music? So if someone's going to weigh into the flute world, do you have a piece for them? Yes, one sec. I'm like, we can cut I this out. I won't cut it out then. You can't meet yourself, yeah. I'll entertain everybody while you do it. Um, what would be my piece? I don't even have a piece, actually. What would be my piece if I was trying to impress someone in the flute world? Oh my goodness. It's one of those eye-watering coughs. You know those oh, suffering? Oh, don't worry. My uh, my visual effects team can take the eye-watering away. <laughs> I'll have okay, a word with them. What would be your piece? I don't know, actually. I once put up a Facebook status saying, what would the piece be if you were on a first date and someone found out you were a flute player and asked you to play for them? I put that on Facebook once. And I got uh-huh. some really good answers to it. And for that, I had said, for me, it would be the Daphne's and Chloe solo. Oh, yeah. That would be my, like, if someone said in the first date, oh, play me a bit of flute, I'd play that. Um, but I think to impress, <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. <laughs> I think a flute place to get into the flute. Do you know, actually, I will say, the last movement of the CP back D minor flute concerto. That's it's such rock a and roll as fuck. That's it's really, really rock and roll. That's a headbang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a festival tune. Someone who's never seen classical music before, um, or like yeah. the flute before, I would love to introduce them with like Ian Clark's Great Train Race. Oh, or, have you played it? So I have played it. I have yeah, played it. So it's that so would much be fun. Super fun. Or um, another one that I I think would be good for this is Bartok's Sweet Pezen Hungroys, the hung- Hungarian Sweet. Ooh, really good answer. Be really good for that. Yeah. That's a really good answer. Wow. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect the Great Train Race either. I haven't played that in years, man. Do you ever play ZoomTube as well? No, but it's on my list. That's such a cool piece. It's actually hard, though, because there's like a scale in it. There's like a quarter tone scale, and it's a fucking nightmare. Like, it's a nightmare. That was the one reason I played it once, and that one scale. Plus, there's also a bit in it where you have the shout. and have the shout? Yeah, it's written in the, sc- the score that you have to go, woo, or something like that. And man, my anxiety can't do that. I, ca- I can't do that on stage. I can play all kinds of weird stuff, but to actually verbally say, like, woo, on the stage, I'd rather die. Yeah. No, that all the anxiety yeah. would kill me on that. So it, I put it off for that reason. But yeah, if you ever tackle it, you've got that to look forward to. Um, I will. Okay, last one. Do you have any pre-performance rituals or superstitions? Hmm. I don't have any weird ones. One thing I always do every time I perform, even if it's just like in a master class or a concert, when I shower that morning, I listen to the the what I'm gonna play in the shower. Oh. I like blast it while I'm washing my hair. And I've okay. done that since I was in undergrad. I always That's cool. shower. I don't know why. But then if it's like a 45 minute recital, do you have to have a 45 minute shower then to get through it all? All wrinkle. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay. Um Another thing, I mean, pre-performance, like, rituals, I always do the power pose, this one. Big fan of that. Big fan of that. Okay, where do you do that? Do you sneak off to the bathroom or something if there's people around, or can you do it in front of people? I can do it in front of people. I usually just go towards a corner or something like that, because I also, when I'm getting, like, five minutes to to stage, um, I have to be by myself. Like, I have to get, I'm not, like, a chit-chatty person beforehand i really have yeah. to get in the zone um yeah, and that's yeah. another thing that i discovered in my whole performance anxiety journey but so yeah so i usually just like find a corner and and do my power that. pose and just like zone in and that's that's what i'll do um i also that's usually a eat a banana 
God, every time what? it's I'm not religious. A lot of players do that. But I eat a banana. Is this because of the potassium? I've heard so many people say this. I just I just eat one. I don't know. I think it's a good snack because a lot of people bars, do this. Granola bars, like you can get like shit stuck places, and then it comes up when you're yeah. like playing, you know, stuff like that. Oh yeah. So and then anything citrusy makes me not good. Not yeah. good. So bananas are just perfect for that. So That's a good banana. yeah. A lot of people do that. I went through a period of starting to have like a little bit of dark chocolate and I didn't really know why. And then someone else had said they were doing it too. And then I realized a couple of years later, it was because of what Lupin gives Harry Potter when he sees the mentor in Prisoner of Azkaban. And I just got it into my head. It's like, have a little bit of chocolate, it helps. And that's where I came from subconsciously. And to be honest, it does help. Someone had said to me, there's something in it, in dark chocolate, like 80% plus, you like the one that doesn't really taste that good. Um, One of those, I had that, but yeah. Banana, I've seen a lot. That's a thing. Maybe I need to get on the bananas. Maybe that's the secret to great food. Good. It's good. A banana. Bananas. It gives me a little boost, but then you don't feel too full or like they're not heavy. Yeah. They are. Well, that is a that's a beautiful way to end the podcast on yeah. bananas. I didn't think we'd go there. Yeah. Uh, before we go then, is there anything you would like to plug? Anything you'd like to tell the listeners about? I don't think so. Um, well, thanks for having I'll me on the behalf. podcast. This was so fun. It was so much fun. Oh. Yeah, I'm I just thinking now. I would maybe someday we'll get me you and Jay on the same podcast. That would be a lot of fun. That would be so fun. That will be a 67 hour episode. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a lot of cutting down, wouldn't it? Do you know what? We don't even have to record it. We'll call it a podcast, but we'll just sit and drink yes. wine together. Nah, forget about it. Um, yeah, we should right, well, actually. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. That's what yeah. the episode with Jay. After I finished recording with Jay, we stayed on the call for like two hours afterwards. It was ridiculous. I, I oh. by the end, I was actually really, really drunk as well because it was my birthday, and it was like four in the morning here. It was really late at night because of the time difference. Oh, it was actually quite bad. <laughs> there was oh, moments the next morning, but I was looking at the podcast the next morning, going, "Please tell me I said that after recording." And you know, when I think that, it must have been bad because there's very few things I wouldn't put in my podcast, but there was a few yeah. things I was like, "Oh." Please tell me I didn't say that on air. <laughs> I didn't. We got away. That's so. Anyway, so we'll do it. To talk she to, is. And, like you stay at like when we were at um you know the night before the Peterborough concert, we stayed up watching Drag Race. I heard this. Yeah, <laughs> it was like yeah. we gotta go to bed, but this is so fun. But like, it, yeah, and yeah, you weigh up the pot. Yeah, fuck the concert, Drag Race. Yeah. Oh, I've been there. Right. Well, I'm going to let you go. You've got an exam to get to. So good luck with it. Good luck with everything. Um, In the little introduction, I'll plug everything. I'll put things down in the description. Um, I suppose we'll say goodbye to the good people. And yeah, I will chat to you soon. Have a lovely Christmas as well. And you have a lovely too. New Year. Oh, happy New Year. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Right. I'm going to hit stop on record now. And then, yeah, I'll chat to you soon. Bye, everyone. Cheerio, everyone. <laughs>